Hello and welcome to Friendmit, a podcast for and by friends about friendship. My name is Sarah and I'm here with Ricky. Yay, long-time pal. Yes. And... Yeah, we're here to talk about <laughs> friendship and we thought that it would be fitting for us to talk about what is a friend and friendship as a definition. We realize in several of our conversations about friendship that sometimes what it means to be a friend changes from person to person even just like stage of life to stage of life for real and are we also i mean it's a fairly new podcast we're on episode 2 nothing has been released yet <laughs> but rick and i have been friends just a real quick recap if some of you couldn't sit through the horrible sound that i had last time <laughs> apologies for that <laughs> we've been friends for 17 years which is just <clears throat> about half our lives a little more actually Wow. And we've gone through, you know, we started out in high school and now we're grown-ups with real jobs. You're a dad, I'm a cat mom. <laughs> you know, things are real now. <laughs> yeah. And our friendship has evolved and we've just found ourselves continuously talking about friendship in one capacity or another, which is why we made this podcast. And if you want more details on that, you can listen to the first episode and I'm sorry for the sound. I can all I can say is that it's better now. <laughs> yeah, and 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 here's the thing. I think with any great relationship, it helps to define the terms, right? Like yep. I think something that we touched on earlier is just like we sometimes go into different relationships, particularly friendships, expecting something. For me, growing up, friendship looked like we're either best friends or we're not friends at all. Yeah, yeah. But then you also have like classmates like people who you are friends with kind of just solely because of proximity and then you have like your work friends and your lifetime friends but all of we call them all friends but we also expect different things from them you know the concept of acquaintances is mm-hmm. not really used in the US i mean it's not something you hear people throw around a lot like oh i was hanging out with this acquaintance of mine <laughs> everybody's a friend you know right whereas in Danish because I am from Denmark in northern Europe. We use the Danish equivalent quite a lot. So it's like yeah, I was doing this with an acquaintance of mine or I'm meeting this person. I mean, we also say friend a lot and a lot of people are considered we would call them friends because it's just easier to classify people than friends and having to justify like how you are connected to a person. Right. But I think we use acquaintances a lot more in Danish and I also think that that it it happens a lot more in Spanish than in the than it does in the US in the English speaking US I should say interesting yeah because I did a little bit of research in the Merriam Webster dictionary a friendship is a noun and it is the state of being friends or the quality or state of being friendly which is Those are two significantly different definitions. Right? Uh so then going deeper, being friendly means to of relating to or befitting a friend such as showing kindly interest and goodwill, not hostile, cheerful, comforting and involving or coming from actions of one's own forces, easy to use or understand, serving a beneficial or helpful purpose, designed or intended to accommodate particular needs, uh usually in a combination. Like it's And now we're talking about an object being friendly, <laughs> user friendly. Yes. But yeah, those yeah. for me are like it's bonkers that it's one I understand the first definition, you know, be friends. If you're friends, it's a friendship. Uh-huh. Loud and clear, I get it. But if you're just friendly, I mean, I'm friendly like also then what constitutes friendly? Cuz if you smile to a stranger on the bus, is that being friendly? If you right. say, you know, if you small talk with a cashier, is that being friendly? If you follow that sort of logic, then well, what's the point of having an acquaintance because then everybody's friends. Then acquaintances are like people that are just short of being your enemies. <laughs> right. This just is like, a little excessive. I I'm going to go hang out with my non-enemy. Yeah. They're not a they're not a friend. <laughs> they're just well, a non-enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what is this? You keep no. 
Yeah. And it's, it's super difficult to define for me just because different people's friendship backgrounds looks different. So I've been, we, we just passed the winter holiday season for me and I've been around a lot of my spouse's family. And something that I noticed them with them is how family traditions and family ways of communicating really like it's almost like a completely different language. Right. And so different to your family. Yes. Thank you. Yes. It's completely different from my family because like, I know I grew up with certain family traditions and ways of interacting and she came up with completely different ones as well. And I think the same can be said about friendship because the way that people friend and connect with each other looks completely different. And it's hard to find those commonalities because you just expect, oh, we're saying we're saying the term friend, but the way it looks like is completely different. Yeah. I mean, it also ties into what we have talked about on the last episode with the whole how you friend. Mm -hmm. What do you expect from a friend? And like you just said earlier, like your best friends or you're not friends at all. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that is really interesting. And it's there are more and more nuances and, and the ambiguity of friendship is really starting to show as we grow older, right? Because you can't spend as much time with someone when you have full-time jobs and a partner and, you know, family. And, and you mentioned earlier just the idea of regionally, how we have different, like we don't use acquaintances as much. Do you think that we should be more selective with who we call friends? Or do you think we just need a better working definition of friend? The age old this debate. I feel like this is a little bit the equivalent of the, do you say I love you too soon? too fast too often generally speaking in the people i met in the u.s or in texas people were running around saying i love you all the time every time you hung up the phone i love you i love Mm -hmm. you i'm like what this is huh it's not something you do in denmark at all Mm -hmm. like i think my parents have told me they love me a handful of times in my life it's not Mm -hmm. it's not i'm also like granted they could have said it more but i never doubted it i always knew I never did. I never felt like they didn't love me. It's just we don't say it as much as a cultural thing. Yeah. I also I in at uni, I had a semester where I studied. I studied business, but we had an anthro course, anthropology course. Mm -hmm. And for that for that course, I had to do a project on what it's like to make friends for foreign, like foreign students that come to Denmark. If you come for an exchange semester, it's easy to make friends because you're there with a bunch of other kids. There's so many activities, but if you come to do a full degree, you're kind of left up to yourself to like on your own devices. And Mm. it's, it's hard to make friends with Danish people because, because as all other Scandinavians, we're fairly reserved people. And it takes, it's basically up to you to make friends with us. Mm-hmm. But then once you have a friend, stereotypically, I know that there, of course, are variations of this, but once a Dane calls you a friend, it's also a friend for life. Mm. So it takes a long time, but it's, we're serious about friending, which is something I've had to learn it's been an eye opener to be li- having lived abroad. It's, I think I'm a little bit more flexible with that. But yeah, I do think, in my opinion, I think the word acquaintance is maybe a little bit, is a little bit of a weird word, but I definitely think we would benefit a little bit more from thinking, just actively using it a little bit more. In the US, it feels like acquaintance is just like basically on the fringe of stranger. It's like, yeah. these are humans who I occupy space with. Like, that's what the. If somebody met of, twice. Okay, right. Cool. Something that I found recently, which I, I used to hear, I feel like more, but are you familiar with the term kindred spirit? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that that is almost like a friendship category. It's just like a person whose values 
are closely akin to our own and one who is animated by similar core principles and stands for a sufficient number of the same things we ourselves stand for in the world, which I was like, oh, yeah, like I could. Easily but is that then someone who's in between a friend and an acquaintance? I think so. Or yeah. Is it because I mean, this also, again, depends on how you define friends, because right now friendship is basically a blank box where you can put anything <laughs> from a person you've met three times right. or twice or whatever, mm-hmm. or had a really great conversation with at a party. Right. Now we're friends. Cool. And then it can be somebody you've known, like yourself. I've known you for 17, no, yeah, 17 years. Mm-hmm. There's a really big box to encompass all these different kinds of, like the tree we talked about last time, right? Right. It's everything from the root to the leaves. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's everything from somebody who's like a fundamental part of your life in a core part of your safety net and survival mode. Right. Just like someone who's part of you, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's somebody who just happens to be in your life for a real brief moment and you share a couple of fun or good minutes or whatever and then moving on. Right. I think it would be nice to have a little a few more words to describe really complex and complicated interactions with other people. I find it really odd that we don't have more words to describe this. Right. It it's it's fascinating. I, I've noticed even just in this conversation, I love this visual because it applies to so many things, but it's the idea of a light switch versus a dimmer switch. Yeah. Like, like friendships are less like a light switch, either like your friends or you're not your friends or you're not. It's more like a dimmer switch where you're like, you are varying degrees of friend and some are deeper friendships and others are more casual or infrequent, but they all meet they all meet important needs. We as people need, we need more than friends. We need community and we also need family. We also need connections. We have different desires that meet different things. I forget which researchers talk about it, but it's, it's one, it's called like a dialectical tension where you have two opposing needs. Like we have a need for connection, but we have a need for autonomy as well at the same time. And sometimes we get that need I remember my professor was talking about this. He's like, you know, I get a need for autonomy and connection. I get my need for connection when I'm at work because I'm in a public environment and I see people and I socialize. But when I'm home with my partner, like it's it's just us. So I get Mm -hmm. my autonomy met there as well. Uh, We need friends, but we need friends in the different capacities at different times. But then, I mean, those people that he meets at work, are they friends or are they coworkers, right? Right. See, I think that especially so my spouse is very introverted. And so for her, her work friends, though they are close to her, her degree of depth looks completely different than mine. And so she would connect with a lot of her coworkers in ways that I would I would connect deeper, right? And so she would consider yeah. them to be work friends or even close friends. Like if she were to ever like have an outing, she would consider them. But I also think it's better defined by someone who actually researches friendships for their career, Shasta Nelson. She talks about it like this. She, she talks about friendships as a continuum, okay? And so you go from least connected to more connected. And oftentimes the people who we work with those would be common friends, which is mean you share some kind of commonality. So for example, a work friend is going to be a work friend so long as you work there, right? Like, yeah, but um, not necessarily after you, like if you change jobs, are you still going to hang out? Right. And so that friendship would have to shift down the friendship continuum to a community. So which basically establishes some kind of connection outside of your primary function of your friendship, right? So for me, I can look at this like this. I have a couple of friends who I, the main way that we talk is it's about pop culture stuff. So any kind of Disney or Marvel movie, we talk about that. Any kind of superhero movie, we talk about that. And this is, what did she call this kind of friendship? This would be kind of like a a common friendship. So we A common friendship. So you have something like a hobby or an activity or something in common. 
Absolutely. So um, this is like the low, quote unquote, lower level of friend or like the more superficial level of friendship. Yeah. So it would be on. So if you look at a continuum from left to right, it is on the mm -hmm. left side of the continuum. The right one okay. is the more connected and more in-depth one. And okay. so that commonality is still great because, for example, if I'm really excited about this new trailer that kind of came out, I know exactly who I'm going to talk to about it. Right. Yeah. I sometimes try to talk to my spouse about it and she's like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, nope, nothing. <laughs> I need I need to bring this to someone yeah, who that knows would be what my reaction. <laughs> that sounds cool, Ricky. I'm happy for you. Are you we're gonna see it with cool? Yeah. Nice. And so I, I was like, I know I know exactly who needs to hear this and who will be as excited <laughs> as I am about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, know. And and so I think that's the thing that I've been learning lately is that like there's still value in having those connections, even though it is on the it's not as far right as I would want it to be on that friendship continuum, because but it still has value. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but so is that because maybe I need to, so I will ask, but and maybe we need to finish this continuum before before you can answer, but is that because you consider the friendships that are further on the right to be closer, deeper, truer, of more value, like tighter friendships? I think I would I would relate it similar to how we talked about the friendship tree. Like, yeah. There, so I definitely I know where my roots are, and the roots would probably be on the farther right of the end of the continuum. Gotcha. But at the same time, the branches are still valuable, right? Yeah. And so I'm I'm finding more value because pr prior I was like, great, only people who are commit committed friends or not, yeah, commitment friends or who are on the far right like the best friends like these are the only kind of friends that matter i miss out on a lot of these other friendship elements that exist in other capacities so like the work nice. friend they, the work friend might not be my best friend but they are still a friend and they especially with how much time we do spend at work it is it's good to connect with people yeah. but i think it's also sometimes hard because we're calling both friends like a best friend and a work friend we're still using the term friend sometimes yes. we put the best friend expectation on someone who isn't as committed and i think that's where a lot of those breakdowns tend to happen I fully agree. But can we just, for the sake of my understanding, because I haven't read Shasta Nelson's oh, definition. Yes. So Absolutely. we have common friends and then what? Can we just run through the definitions real quick and then Absolutely. we can talk about the categories? I'm so <laughs> glad you asked. I'm so lost. <laughs> okay. So Shasta has this, this concept of what her definition of friendship is. Mm -hmm. And a friendship is a mutual relationship between two people that is satisfying, safe, and where both people feel seen, okay? And so all of these make up the elements of a friendship and all of these friendships can exist in one of five categories of what she calls the five circles of connectedness. So the first level is contact, okay? Now these are people who we are friendly wherever we see them, but we don't see them outside of our shared context, okay? So this can be someone who you just frequently see. I, I typically categorize this as like someone at like a place that you frequent. It would be like, I, I know some people at a coffee shop that I go to, every time I go there, I start striking up a conversation with them. I'm well, never- Right. Yes, that would be a perfect category for acquaintance. And we know them because we share something in common. Usually it's like geographical, but they're typically like the two or three people who we gravitate towards when we see them yeah. in that context. So then you have your common friends in the common circle, I should say. These are all circles. So you have a contact circle and your common circle. Your common circle is where you intentionally spend time with these friends. And your friendship is based primarily on one shared commonality. So the biggest difference between contact and common is the intentionality. So contact friends, it's like anytime you run into them, you say hi and you enjoy that conversation. Mm -hmm. But common friends are ones where you intentionally seek out one another. And the bond can develop because you see each other through recurring events, projects, yeah. shared social shared social circles, and they 
are more than contact friends just because you're initiating that time together. Yeah. Okay. Then smack dab in the middle is a category called confirmed friends. And we're going to skip it for now. And it will make sense later. I promise. Okay. Cliffhanger. (laughs) Cliffhanger. So then you have your fourth circle, which is the community circle. So this is something that we intentionally spend regular time together beyond the area that we have in common. It's like I mentioned. So like, let's just say you have your work friend and you see them at work and you have, and you intentionally seek each other out, especially when you are at work. Right. But Mm -hmm. then let's just say you invite them out to hang out with you and some of your other friends outside of work. And it's outside of a work function. That's how they get brought into a community. So you've crossed the lines of your original relationship boundaries. And now it feels normal to invite them to other areas of your life. And you start to meet other people, other important people in their lives as well. And they start meeting important people in your lives. So that's how you start building that community. Then the final circle is the commitment circle. Now this is commitment. Yeah. So it's usually reserved for about three to maybe seven people in this category. And we intimately and consistently share our lives with each other. Our commitment extends beyond the things that hold us in common. This is reserved for best friends who we regularly share our feelings and whose lives we're involved with in meaningful ways. These are the friends that we are most committed to and they could switch jobs, get married, change interests or move away, but we would still be in each other's lives. Now, these are the friends that we will sacrifice for and love through any crisis. Now, it feels like just based off of our conversation, like it feels so weird that we, we have this circle and cause I agree 100% of this, but then I'm, I think about it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I do put this expectation on people who I only kind of share a common interest. in. Yeah. I was about to say, I have a lot of friends that I would probably want to have in the commitment circle mm-hmm. or I think are in my commitment circle. Yeah. But then in reality, they're probably in a community circle. So instead of being in the, you know, the center, they're in the second ring. Right. Okay. And so then that brings me back to the third one, the confirmed friends. So these are friends that we have shared a history with. These friends have basically made their way to the commitment circle, but our bond and our connection is not regular anymore. At one point, we would have placed them in that commitment, the circle on the continuum, but we no longer have regular contacts with them as we do with the friends who we do have in the commitment circle. And what they about are the community then? Is like is the third circle and the second so like the confirmed circle versus the community circle? The main thing, as you go further down the continuum from left to right, you also increase frequency and consistency. And so with the confirmed friends, and I I think this solidifies it for me, they are no longer engaged in our day-to-day lives or creation of new memories together, as our commonality is more in the past than it is in the present. I think this is really interesting because I have a friend Let's. I decided my let's say generic friend is called Winnie. Yes, I love it because it matches Vincent, which I think was your friend name. I think it was Archie. Oh yeah, Archie. So I then just because I like Winnie, because I don't know, I can't tell you <laughs> I, why. There's no great. There's no I love it. Rhyme. But let's. I have a friend. We've been friends since we were thirteen. If there's ever anything, I can always call her. Mm. But uh, we don't talk like necessarily every week. Yeah. So in some ways, you could argue that she's we don't consistently share our lives with each other because we don't. She lives in the other end of the country. So it would take me like three and a half hours to come see her, which Mm. in a country where it takes five hours to drive or like four hours to drive from like coast to coast is Mm -hmm. a pretty big deal. You know, like she's very far away and her friendship means the world to me. But she doesn't really know any of my other friends because we grew up together and I moved away. So all Mm -hmm. the friends that I have here in Copenhagen, they haven't just, you know, just the way life has had it, you know, and then I've moved abroad and I've lived in so many different places. I have a lot of friends that don't really know each other. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean for me that she's she is part of my commitment circle. They're very central. She's Mm -hmm. one of my, you know, 
one of my people, one of my roots. But it's just, it's interesting to see how it's definitely a framework that I can use in terms of leveling the expectations that I have for someone. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I'm not sure it is as black and white as, you know, a nice little framework. Right. Well, and I split it up. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've noticed just from exploring this kind of friendship categorization, if you will, is that Mm -hmm. it all kind of like I've kind of tested it out with my own friendships, but I've also noticed it with my spouses where going back to her definition of a friendship is a friendship is a mutual relationship between two people that is satisfying, safe, and where both people feel seen. Sometimes I feel like those friendship connections, like whether however you would place anyone in any of these continuum or any of these circles on the continuum, so long as both parties are satisfied with it, Mm -hmm. I think that that's the thing that makes it work. Like when I shared this with my spouse, she was like, oh yeah, I love my confirmed friends. Like, because she is very introverted and she doesn't have that same desire to like have regular interactions, her and her best friends, they won't talk for weeks maybe even months sometimes, but every time that they talk and they interact, it's like no time has missed. No one is upset with each other. They're just like, yeah, life happens, but our commitment or our confirmed friendship is going to last whether we update each other on our lives or not. Like the, that bond has already been formed and they're all happy with it. And I think that's the biggest definition of it so like she would consider her confirmed friends her commitment friends right yes yeah, so that's maybe really it right like how it's a spectrum right or, and and for everybody what constitutes which circle is going to vary mm-hmm. depending on what needs you have right because I find it quite interesting, like what you mentioned with your wife. I have another friend, so another Winnie. And we started out with a shared hobby and then I stopped. I mean, also because the pandemic hit and it was like a social thing. So you can't really go hang out with a lot of people. But we stay friends and we, you know, hanging out, having dinners, having phone calls, whatever, you know, just staying in touch. But she's fairly reserved. And I thought we were like... We weren't just common circle because we did move into having more, you know, like hanging out. So more like of a confirmed friends and hanging out, seeing each other sometimes, but not really for me, the way I friend, I'm very open with how I feel. I talk a lot about how I feel because that's how I process and what I think. And I was like, I'm not really sure that, you know, that's the kind of friendship she wants or that's that that's necessarily where she sees it Mm -hmm. until one day she called me crying her eyes out because her and her partner had had a fight and she came to my place and she stayed, we went for a walk. She stayed with me for a few hours. And I mean, for me, that was really like a, whoa, okay. I'm actually part of her commitment circle and Mm -hmm. she's part of mine too. I had wanted it, but I was, I didn't really, I think I was a little bit scared that it was more one-sided for me. Mm -hmm. And then once she like broke down that barrier, so obviously it just, I'm realizing now this actually counts for several of my friends, Mm -hmm. but then it's like, mm, it's really obvious to me that uh, we just friend, we just are different people. Like she is more like your wife. And has less of a need to talk to somebody all the time. Mm-hmm. Or she's more private with her thoughts. Or she doesn't have the same need to process out loud that I do. But that doesn't mean that we're not both in each other's commitment circle. Right. And I also, I apologize if it's a little bit confusing with this different circles in friendship boxes when when we're trying to explain it. But I really <laughs> think that it's if we don't use some sort of framework to talk about friendships, Mm -hmm. then everything is in the same box. And there is just such a big difference between, you know, somebody you see once in a while at yoga class or at the coffee shop or, you know, at Comic-Con or whatever it is, you know, someone 
that you're not necessarily seeing every day. Yeah. Versus someone you would call in the middle of the night if, you know, your world fell apart. And I think also for me, maybe this is again a cultural thing, but the whole like, who's your best friend? It feels, it feels like so 13 years old. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. because I'm like, I don't, I can't tell you who my best friend is because I have several best friends, mm -hmm. which I know is an oxymoron because it, it, you can't have more than one who's the best right? by like idiomatic definitions but i do yeah sometimes they're best for different things and sometimes it's just i have a lot of really close friends right and it's nice to have a way to talk about them mm -hmm. which yeah. i think would be nice to normalize without constantly having to like report on okay so this week or this month i feel like ricky is one of my confirmed friends and then next <laughs> time i feel like maybe he's a community circle and then like 12 years, 10 years pass and we haven't talked. So maybe he's back to being a confirmed friend or maybe like, you know, further out. And then we start talking all the time and now he's part of the commitment. Like, you know, instead of, it's not like reporting right. on where you are. It's more, it would be nice, I think, to have more words commonly used and understood by everybody. Right. To sort of describe, because it's confusing. It is. And, and something that my I, I talked with a with a therapist and, and something that they were saying was that, like, it's important to just check in to see how your relationships are functioning. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's the a big thing that kind of the, this connectedness thing has helped me with, because with because originally when I first heard about it, I'm like, great, I'm putting all my friends into these categories, so I'll never get hurt again. <laughs> But then but, it's like a once and done kind of deal. But, you know, relationships right. are dynamic. Right. Well, and, and this is something that we will definitely go deeper into in another podcast episode, probably Ooh. about like making new friends or becoming yes. um, more friend to met. But there there right. are ways for your friendships to go deeper because yeah. the difference with friendships is that, like I mentioned about it's having common space, other people get a say in what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard, like, because as much as I want my definition of friendship to work with someone else, they have their own. And I have to, I, it's helpful for me to relate of like, oh, well, this, this person is someone who I really enjoy hanging out with, but I only really see them in this one capacity, maybe I could invite them further into this relationship by bringing them into a community or really leaning on the friends I do have to be more vulnerable with yeah. them. Or if I feel because like some like a lot of my friendships who I actually realize are in the common or community circle, I'm great at being positive with those relationships. And I'm great at being consistent, but I'm not really vulnerable. And so maybe the vulnerability and maybe the reason why I don't feel as close to them is because I'm not, I'm, I'm worried or I'm scared that it there might be some rejection or if I am vulnerable, they might not receive it the way I want them to, but I won't know if I don't try it. Um, Is it a little bit like you don't feel seen, like your true self doesn't feel seen? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I feel like my partner and I, we, we talk about this a lot. We're just like, we're getting away with it. We, people think that we're normal. Yeah, <laughs> pretending, pretending. <laughs> so I feel like, like I'm getting away with it right now. So I don't need to ruin it by being an actual human being who has different feelings yeah and so i think that that's been the challenge that i'm trying to do it's just like you know maybe the thing isn't that there's something wrong with our friendships but maybe it's that like i'm either not being vulnerable for the sake of me being seen or if or that i am kind of just keeping the friendship superficial because of that or i have miscategorized this friendship because a big thing that shasta nelson talks about is that the commitment circle of friend is not a circle. Sorry, I'm turning my notes over. Wonderful. I like the, the foliage. <laughs> so um, people who are in your commitment circle, this is not 
a person that you discover and place them in that group. Okay. Mm -hmm. Someone who is in the commitment circle is a group that is earned. It's developed and it's something that happens over time. And so it's kind of like the thing, like you'll notice it when you feel it, right? Whenever Mm -hmm. you are in that relationship and you do feel that the relationship is satisfying, safe, and where both people feel seen, that's kind of where you get to it. And that's also when, you know, like, like how you knew, like, when your, when your friend Winnie was like calling you during a time of distress, like that's someone who you would call in that kind of level. But also going kind of going back to what we mentioned before, and this is a big hard thing for me. And I had to learn like, okay, I'll hear you Shasta. I'll try it on. <laughs> she said, it's not one person's job to make up the entire commitment circle. No. Yeah. If you only have one person in your commitment circle and they get busy or are unavailable for whatever reason, we often become resentful of that person because we were counting on that one person. Yeah. Um, and so like that's you basically don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that there was this much research all about friendship. I didn't know that there was all of these different facets, but I think it's it's interesting to like see how the relationships are functioning just to ser- just so that the friendships can be better serving for you and the other person in the friendship. For real. I think it's really, I mean, there's a couple things I want to say in terms of, I think some people just need one or two people to rely on. Like if you're, mm-hmm. I I heard this in a podcast somewhere and I would love to actually reference who it is, but I cannot remember it. Most likely it would have been an armchair expert and one of the therapists they've had on to talk about human interactions. Mm-hmm. But some people are just extremely introverted and don't really need more than one, two, maybe maximum three people mm-hmm. to be vulnerable with. And if you're one of those people and you just need one person and your person ha- feels the same way, right. or you're okay with sharing your person, I don't think that that's a problem. Right. I think it's a problem when it becomes a possessive sort of, I cannot share you, or when you start, a jealousy starts interfering, Right. which I have had experience with as well, and which is something for another episode, but it's like the you know, the movement from the left side of the con, like the outside circle, so the contact circle, moving from that side of the specter towards the right, where you're becoming closer and closer towards the commitment circle. Mm-hmm. That feels like a natural progression, an easy progression, or it's in a way that's what we are, at least that's what I tend to expect. Right. Whereas when you're moving or you've been somewhere like on the right side of the spectrum and you're moving towards the left, it's really hard for me to to de-escalate a friendship, so to speak. I think that's something we have to talk about in another episode because I think it's super interesting. And like, how do you handle that? And I want it, I would like some advice on this, but also just I would like to explore it to be to learn about it, to be better equipped at handling these situations in the future, you know? Absolutely. Um, I think what you said before about how you have some friendships where you would like to move, for example, from the common or community circle. So the number two from the left yes, towards the confirmed friends or maybe even community circle. So more towards the middle or the right and where you don't feel necessarily safe enough to be vulnerable or where you don't necessarily know if it's like appreciated. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever thought about maybe you are, like my Winnie, where some of these people are ready to catch you, but mm. they just aren't sure that you're there. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I think that might be part of it. Yeah, because I, I'm just so I I get the fear of rejection a lot, mm. and so I I want to be more vulnerable, but I also would rather. It's a very much a one of the hand is worth two in the bush kind of thing of like, yeah. well, I I have this here and I don't want to lose it. So I'm not going to risk it. Yeah, it feels like it's gambling. But I mm-hmm. but thank you for asking, because I think that that's 
the answer is probably yes. There are probably several friendships out there that are ready to catch me. I mean, it's nerve wracking, but I don't know how not to do it. So it's not, I mean, I also overdo it sometimes. And then it's, it's, I mean, it's awkward, Mm -hmm. but it's also when it works out, it's such a wonderful feeling to feel like you can share something with someone. Right. And then I've never experienced where people, actually I've never experienced where you share something and people are like, don't handle it well. Mm. It's, it's, I always feel safe and heard, but then, I mean, it's just not always followed. When I say awkward, I mean, because I feel like, okay, I showed that I would like more of a friendship and then that's just not followed up by, you know, something more. Right. But I think, I also, I don't know if we're like ignoring an elephant in the room in this conversation because, I mean, you are a cisgendered man. I'm a cisgendered woman. And there are also aspects of how boys and girls are raised where it's always been okay for me to have feelings, all of them, Mm -hmm. to talk about them and to be aware of them. And I don't know how many men I have met or had shared different kinds of ships with, whether they're friendships or relationships or somewhere in between ships, where I've had to convince or show or guide or whatever, help them realize that emotions aren't a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that is also a factor for you. Hmm. Yeah, I I think that kind of goes back into what we were talking about earlier, just about like how the, I'll call it friendship traditions, like of how we expect certain friendships to look like based off of our upbringing, I think is very much a part of it. And I think that that's kind of how, you know, sometimes I think like even with our friendship, I think because our, I feel like the way that we friend, um, Mm -hmm. I, I think our friendship styles match very well. And I think that I think sometimes it's hard to pre-know what it is until you do find it. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is it. Like pretty early on, I I would say I couldn't describe why we were friends or like how we continue to be friends. I know I do a lot of research on friendship, but it's not like anyone needs a degree to figure out like, oh, I like hanging out with this person. And I I, I like the way (laughs) this like hangout feels. Um, Can we be friends? Hold up. I got to do a PhD first. (laughs) Give me a second. (laughs) I'm studying for my midterm. So I'll get back to you when I'm done. But yeah. And I think a lot of times the complexities of friendships and any interpersonal relationship can be pointed to some kind of thing. And I, and I, I bring up, the circles of connectedness as like a tool as something that I think could be helpful. Cause like something that this helped me with is understanding, Oh, this is why this particular friendship feels different than this other one. Like I have, I actually have probably a larger community circle than I thought I did. I thought I had a pretty large commitment circle, but when I look back at how vulnerable I've been in a lot of my friendships, I'm like, Oh wow. Like I, I think I'm actually kind of holding back from this friendship a little bit, but that kind of commitment circle, you you do have that mutual vulnerability and that mutual, like being seen by one another of just like, whatever it is, like no matter what, like you can come to me and we can talk about things. And if, and I feel like I hesitate with that. And then this connectedness circle has helped me to understand, oh, okay, like, if I do, if if I'm satisfied with my friendships where they are, then great, they are functioning but, well. But if they're, if they're not, I can point to and look to like, oh, well, maybe this doesn't feel as close because I need more vulnerability from them, or I can bring it to myself, or maybe it's a consistency thing. Um, maybe I need yeah. more consistency, or maybe the friendship just isn't really that positive like there are all these uh, so it's basically like helping you manage your own expectations yes perfect thank you very much (laughs) i just saw on uh you know the very academic source instagram Mm -hmm. oh yes yes very renowned yes i saw i follow a therapist on there i believe his name is matthew hussey 
I hope I said his last name correctly. And he posted, it's about relationships, but I feel like it applies to friendships as well. He posted something along, like a quote, you know, along the lines of setting standards is about you. Having expectations is about them. Ooh. And I was like, whoa, okay, this revolutionized my life. (laughs) Well, I'm in the process of like really internalizing this because it's something that comes up in various areas of my life, both in Mm -hmm. terms of with coworkers. Are they friends or are they coworkers? How much can you share? How much can't you share? Right. In terms of like, friendships but also i mean i am single so i am trying to meet my person and there's a lot of unfulfilled expectations and then there's a lot of friends that where i feel let down and then i'm like well is this a standard or is it an expectation is it okay for me to have this standard all of those things but i just i find it really interesting how many things when it comes to like self-care and managing your own expectations are the same whenever you interact with another human being, regardless of whether it's family, friends, relationships, whatever. Right. We were talking about, you were talking about the commitment circle. Mm-hmm. And you say that it's somebody where you can share everything. Yeah. Is it really realistic that we have people in our lives where we can share everything from the most, like, you know, personal, vulnerable details to all the mundane things of everyday life? I, I think there is, especially if it is mutual right i have several ideas throughout the day and i only rarely feel the need to share them with anyone let alone Mm -hmm. just like another person who i'm expecting to just hold all of that um because because sometimes it's just like journaling or a creative idea or even sometimes i think going back to social media i think that that's a great function of social media or sometimes a not great depending on what's being shared i like looking at like how i used to exist prior to the internet because mm-hmm. i'm a millennial and what, what a time <laughs> but like i remember there there used to be just like little ideas or any just super mundane things that like i just accepted as oh this is just this is just a moment for myself yeah. or if it is something I want to share with someone, you know, I was living with my family. So I would just like share it with my sister or I would call a friend or text them. Cause like sometimes I will, I think sharing any even mundane things, especially with us of familial dynamics, I feel like that's kind of speaking to the importance of those variety of types of friendships, right? Like sometimes family members can exist inside of any of these friendship circles. Like I know I don't share everything with all the members of my family, but there are some kinds of depth that I do share with different members of my family. Like anytime there's like, there was a family reunion. I remember I used to have like these set of cousins who are all the same age and we always just gravitated to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether we shared anything in common at all, we knew that we were going to connect and just have a good time. And we wouldn't see each other for like the rest of the year because we just geographically lived in different places. So so maybe this spectrum mm -hmm. can be used for any sort of interaction with other people, Mm -hmm. whether it's family or friendship. It's just when we engage with other people, there are so many different spectrums that we are like, there's so many different levels of interaction and engagement. Right. Or frantimacy. Yes, that's exactly it. I'm also a performer. So I perform at Mm -hmm. a a theater pretty much every week. And anytime I'm there, like I share a lot of things there, just that because we share a common interest, things that I don't really share anywhere else. And I think it largely has to do with me just being there with those people at that time. But then you also are using... I mean, using sounds wrong, but help me out. What's the right word? But I don't know what the right word is, but I'm going to say using and then hopefully you can tell me (laughs) the right word. But you're using different friends or different people for different things or different needs that you have. Correct. Yes. And I think it's a little bit 
utopian or utopic mm -hmm. to think that one person can cover everything. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, some of my friends that are the ones that I would call in the middle of the night, the ones that I did, I was in a very serious relationship. We were engaged and we decided to break it off. Mm -hmm. That was one of the lower points in my life. Or this summer when one of my cats passed away and he honestly, he was my soulmate. Like he's part of my soul. Mm -hmm. It was a horrible time in my life. And the people I called then or that I need to show up in those moments, those are, you know, people that I know that I can count on. Right. But they, we don't necessarily, like, I don't tell them what I had for breakfast or, <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily talk to them about how my day was every day. Right. And there's been periods in time where we've either been, you know, like growing up with riding horses together or with a hobby in common, or we've gone to study, you know, school or studied together or we work together. So there have been points in our lives where we did share if not every day, then several days a week, the majority right. of the week together. It's just to say, I think that the people that I talk to about the biggest things in my life mm. are not necessarily the people that I talk to about the smallest and also important things in my life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think, I think that's, I think that's good. A, a big thing that I, put on a lot of my relationships is that just I feel like I should be able to share everything with anybody. It's kind of going back to what we talked about in the very first episode with the with the friendship tree. The roots can hold up the whole tree. And it could if we needed to bring some of our heavier things to that tree, that's the one that we would bring it to, right? Mm -hmm. And it can handle the small things as well. And uh, the tree itself has its own function, right? There are going to be friends who um, would love to hear super mundane things. I have a handful of friends who who I'm, I'm their cheerleader. They come to me with their wins and I'm like, yeah, that's incredible. Like, they're like, great, thank you. <laughs> like, they knew that, like, that's how I'm going to react to it. Yeah, I think that it's important to know, like, what to bring where. <laughs> and sometimes sure. big, big and little, like... You are more than welcome to tell me what you have for breakfast. I will take it and I will. We also talk a lot about food, to be fair. <laughs> we do. I think next to friendships, food is probably what we yeah, talk this, about. Yeah, this podcast was so close to being a food podcast. You have no idea. Yeah. So close. I mean, it still may evolve. It might. It might. This might Maybe turn friendships food and food. Yep. Food over friendship or whatever. <laughs> So based off of what we've talked about so far, how do you think that you could be a better friend to yourself and others this week? Awesome transition. From last week, my how to be a better friend. I wanted to be a better friend by being more present with my friends. Mm -hmm. And I think I have been better at leaving my phone in my jacket. Nice. Or in my bag or in another room if I'm home. Still feel like it's something I need to work on in terms of not having my thoughts wander off. Mm -hmm. Because it happens. I mean, sometimes we go out on tangents, but I think I'm getting better and better. At, it's a little bit like meditating when you're meditating and then all of a sudden you realize, oop, I'm out here on this big ass tangent. I need to like pull myself back in. I think I'm getting better at it, but I don't think I'm done working on that. So I will continue to work on being more present with my friends. But I also, and I mean, this goes really hand in hand with presence. I want to be better at listening more actively and then reducing my need for responding or feeling like, you know, when you're explaining something, I'm like, ooh, this is something I want to say. And then I'm just waiting for like, a dip in your word stream where I can like interrupt and say what I wanted to say. And then it's maybe like three topics later. Yeah. You know, Oh so yeah. I want to be better at that. And I, it's something I really 
I struggle with a little, I struggle with is such a hard word, but like our expression, but it's more, I really thought about it after I just, I drove home to my parents' house for the holidays and it's about three hours from where I am now. And my friend came with me to share the car ride and then she didn't have to take public transportation. So it was really nice for the company and just worked out well for all of us. But afterwards, I was thinking about, I'm like, man, I really monopolized the conversation. I think I spoke like 75 to 80% of the time. And I just, I need to get better at just shutting up and being comfortable in the silence and giving that space for allowing myself to see what happens if I don't talk. Because I can, I can just blabber on and fill the silence. But sometimes I think it's better to just be quiet. Yeah. Oh, I, I do the same. I often worry that I talk too much in a lot of my friendships, but I also Mm -hmm. have to do the thing where I have to say, I'm going to trust that. I, I, sometimes I just check in. I'm just like, am I talking too much? And sometimes they're like, oh no, like I'm, I'm 100% in. I know sometimes with my spouse, she isn't very much an internal processor. So she doesn't externally yeah. process the same way that I do. Sometimes I'll I'll just talk and discover it's like, oh, that's exactly what I wanted to say. I didn't know that before I spoke, but she will she will sit in silence and then she'll say what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's I think everything you're saying is really great. And I also want to give you the perspective that maybe you can just check in to see like, hey, is this is this too much? Or and if they say yes, then great. You got you got that feedback and you're all you're closer. Oh, I would I feel terrible if they said yes. I would be like, oh my God, I'm a failure as a friend. Oh no. <laughs> I think I think it's a really good piece of advice. Also, I mean the Winnie that went in the car with me, like we've been friends for I mean 16 years. Oh nice. I met her we, we went to high school together. And so I met her when I was 17. So that is, yeah, 16 years ago. I'm pretty sure I don't talk more now than I did at 16. I'm pretty like it's always been. (laughs) So the fact that she's stuck around and she still reaches out and, you know, right. As as we've been speaking, she's been texting me about coordinating when we're going to go out for dinner uh, next week. So, I mean, she obviously also is happy with our friendship. I just, I'm trying to play a little bit more with, the power of silence, not in mm-hmm. a, I mean, I know it's a very useful negotiation tactic and that some people use it as a power play. That's not how I mean it. I just mean in the giving that space and that opportunity for somebody else, because there is a lot of people like your wife who sit and think for a long time before they speak. And then there's people like myself, and I believe you, who just blabber on <laughs> and then figure out what it is that we think while we're talking. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I just don't really leave a lot of room for the, the thinkers to say what they want to say. Hmm. Well, I think it's it's great that you're taking that on. I think it's uh, very self-aware of you. So, uh, Thank you. I, I was very inspired by our last conversation to when I'm thinking of someone to reach out to them. And a song was playing at a coffee shop that made me think of two of my friends. So I, I in the moment, I said, okay, let me... Because I was also, I went to this coffee shop to edit the podcast. And so nice. I was like, well, I'm listening to the advice right now. So I need to go ahead and do it. And so I reached out to those friends and it was it was a really great moment. I think based off of a lot of what we've talked about today, just, just the definition of a friend and mm-hmm. the different types of friendship dynamics that we've talked about. I think I am going to focus on just valuing the friendships I currently have. And I can look at a lot of friendships, like I I compare a lot and, Mm -hmm. uh, and do a lot of that. And so I want to just value them as they are without comparison. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's probably going to be a lifelong challenge that I'm taking on, Uh, but even just in finding value in the friendships as they are. Appreciating them for what they are as well. Yes, absolutely. May may I challenge you a little bit? Please. I think it would be really interesting if you if you feel comfortable, of course, but if you try to play a little bit with what happens if you're a little bit more vulnerable with some of the people that you would like to move from confirmed friends to community circle or from community circle. 
what mm. yeah from confirmed friends to community circle or from common circle to confirmed friends mm-hmm. like what happens if you're I hate to say like your authentic self because how are you going to be anything but your authentic self? I mean, you're you. Right. But if you try to be a little bit more just true to yourself in some of those interactions with other people. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I will take on that challenge. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, we're um, we're going to have a, a get together tonight. So I um, I'm going to have the perfect arena to practice it in. I mean, you can always start small, right? It doesn't have to be like massive things from the all right out. i'm just gonna go to the hangout i'm gonna say everyone we're telling one deep dark secret yeah. we'll start with you that you've never told anybody before go right. let's go <laughs> it's gonna be a, an interesting party <laughs> huh, cool. well, well thank you sarah again for joining me for another episode of friend to Mit, and thank you listener for being curious about friendship to listen to two friends talk about it yes thank you it's been so much fun and i already cannot wait for the next episode yeah and until then be kind to yourself and a friend to others i don't know why i said that like it's like our signature sign off <laughs> we don't. i like it but you know just be friend to me with yourself and others you know as Absolutely. if that's our sign off we don't have a sign off other than it's been fun i hope you'll come back next time and yeah that's the side off <laughs> <laughs> cool be kind to yourself and others or friends to others or i like it yeah workshop this after yes <laughs> <laughs>